the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download and listen to for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest is Mick Lavelle from Riddle University College near Chelmsford. Coming up, we'll be answering your questions on everything from apples and pears to cucumbers. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Mick, it's a warm welcome to the programme. We have had some extremely hot days of the last week. How's this lovely weather affecting the gardens? <laughs> Well, it's both good and bad news. Isn't it, it is, really? isn't it? Face we can enjoy it. Yeah, I think that, that today was uh, in the twenties, much better for plants. Really, they, grow, they actually grow better. I think twenty, that, 20 plus is a too high, aren't they? Well, once you get to the thirties, uh, anything over about thirty-five, and everything stops photosynthesizing anyway, which means all growth stops. So mm. we, we kind of get like an equivalent of um, the antithesis of winter. It all stops <laughs> in the middle of the summer. So what do you got for us as a tip today? Well, when we think it's hot days, you don't think about the autumn. Particularly, as it seems like pessimistic to think about. Gardeners always have to think ahead. So autumn, of course, means bulbs, really. Now, two things we need to be thinking about in bulbs in the autumn. The first one is that we need to get our autumn flowering bulbs in, so all those things like colchicums, nerine, sternbergias, even the amaryllis, if you buy them dried, all need to go in around about now. Uh, late June, July is the prime planting season for those. Uh, but also a good time to start uh, getting some summer, some summer catalogues for the autumn bulbs. Yeah. Get your orders in early, because if you want something nice and choice, you know, if you've seen something... You know, being uh, seen Rittle College's grounds and thought, like, oh, I'd like to have some of those bulbs. You know, you'll have to get the orders in early because often some of these things are in demand, quite rare, uh, sometimes expensive. But I mean, there's no expense uh, like actually getting the, the thing in early and, and, and paying for it now. You know? And I suppose that also counts even for herbaceous plants because some of those are sold as rooted plants in yes, the autumn. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I mean, anything really which you would be planting into the autumn, the catalogues are all they're they're out, out now. Yeah, they've mm. been out since about May, and so you need to just. You go online or just uh, look in the back of the, uh, the garden uh, magazine, the catalogue pages there, and just order some. Uh, it's a great thing to read through now, and it'll give you a little bit of um, inspiration for the autumn and also a chance to sort of look forward to the autumn rather than just thinking, oh, summer's over. You know. I'll tell you where I went to Bressingham Gardens, which is near this, mm. uh, Adrian Bloon's gardens, of course, originated by Alan Bloon. Yeah, lovely gardens, aren't they? Yeah. Wow. I tell you what, if you want inspiration for herbaceous plants, yeah. that is the place to go. Eh? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think I think this is the thing. Uh, look what's working well in the garden That's at the it. moment. But um, don't wait until September and think, oh, I wish I'd put in some nerines. They look lovely. If you know you like them and you know you've got a place, go for get them. them. Get them now, yeah. And uh, talking of things of we've you've said the hot weather and we've been you know had all our bedding plants which have struggled a bit through those very high temperatures mm. and baskets particularly have struggled I would say and. Um, you know, because they're hung up, you need to take them down to give them a really good water, I think, anyway. Um, best way. But also, the plants can get a bit leggy. And mm. as we go through the summer, it's worth pinching out the ends and encouraging side growth. Because side growth will, will fill the basket, keep it full, and keep it flowering. And deadheading, very important as well on a basket. I think so, yeah. But there's nothing worse than seeing those long, tired trails with a few flowers at the end. Awful. Once, once it gets to that, it's very hard to retrieve them as well. You know? <laughs> so like you say, pinch them out now and keep them going. And don't forget regular feeding of those baskets because they haven't got a lot of compost in there absolutely, and they'll yeah. be using nutrient at a fantastic rate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you ha even if you put extra um, temperature-release fertiliser into the compost, yeah. still 
give them a feed, yeah. So what else have we got today? Well, of course, um, this time of the year, we start thinking about the autumn. Um, the other thing you could be doing now is thinking about seed. And seed, I'm a great exponent of seed. I truly believe that it's the, the best and cheapest way to, to grow any of your plants. If you've got plants that you like, and maybe you want to sort of um, to get some more of them, perhaps to give away, perhaps to sell at the uh, local horticultural society, whatever else it may be you want to do. Your own seed is the freshest. It, it can't come any fresher than that. And if you pick seed now of anything which, uh, you know, choice uh, herbaceous plants or even annuals and things like that, uh, even some uh, sh- trees and shrubs, if you pick the seed now, it's fresh. You probably only need to dry it for a day or two. As, not, uh, as then, little as that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, just in a uh, brown paper bag, just write on it what it was when you collected it so you don't leave it hanging around for months and months. And then just make sure in that couple of days that you just check in uh, garden books, uh, so you can look online or you can look in a good garden book, like Lavelle and Lavelle or something like of that. Of course, you know? of course. <laughs> and then we could, uh, you could actually then have a look and see what you would need to do to sow this. And you can sow them at the appropriate time, but sometimes the appropriate time is right now. Even if they're a bit recalcitrant to grow in the first instance, once you've got them sown, there's a chance they'll grow. When they're in that bag, there's no chance they'll grow. Have you done a specific book on growing seed? No, no, I mean... Because you should do, shouldn't you, um, really? Possibly, yeah. It's one of those things I like doing. Maybe. Maybe that's the thing for the future. Any publishers out there, there you go. <laughs> but, um, of course, the, the other thing uh, we need to think about is if you haven't got the plants in your garden but you'd like them and you don't want a great expense in terms of buying them, of course, get yourself uh, another seed catalogue or trundle along to the garden centre to see what they've got. Uh, catalogues tend to be good because the garden centres have a, a standard range. It's not to say anything against garden centres, but you'll often find there's quite a lot of the same in there because they know what they need to sell. If you go to some of the seed catalogues, particularly if you go online, there are some fantastic uh, bargains about it, some really quite unusual plants. Uh, it's worthwhile having a go because if you think you're paying two, three pounds, you might get ten plants if you're successful of it, and that's got to be good. Got to be good. Um, this time of the year always reminds me of my apprenticeship. Now, you can say that is a long time ago, <laughs> Nick, but it is a long time ago. <laughs> but I was sent off to a London park where they had these um, lovely flag or bearded iris mm. um, round a pond, and they were, it, it was done in like a, there was a circular pond, and then each segment had a different coloured iris yes, in, yeah. and it looked fantastic. And uh, we were sent there in in July, so you know there we are, we're nearly there, mm. and of course we had to lift everything out of the bed, and then we dig the bed over just lightly. Not a lot of fertiliser went back mm. in because bearded iris don't need much nutrient at all, do they? No, no. We, we just put a bit yeah. of compost back in. What they need is the sun on those rhizomes, oh. isn't it? They need to be baked. It's, it's almost, they need the roots to have That's enough moisture it. in there. So you leave the, as you know, you leave the rhizomes on the surface. Yeah. So the sun really bakes those. But you get those roots down into the ground mm. and make sure they're watered well. And they'll, they'll thank they'll you for it. it, yeah. And then, of course, you can imagine a couple of apprentices cutting them up because mm. you can cut them back, cut all the dead off them, can't you? Because they yeah. get into clumps. And then cut the leaves back to about three inches so yes. they don't blow over. <laughs> and then just setting them in. And you quite rightly said the most important thing is that you don't dig them into the ground. Yes, absolutely. Because that yeah. rhizome has got to sit on the top. And i tell you what, I went back. And, you know, the iris beds are still there. So I was very pleased. All right, They're yes. not as well manicured as when I did it. But well, of course. Of course, but, of course yeah. but actually, it is a good time to do it. And you'll get a lot of much better results because you'll get better flower through actually splitting setting the new rhizomes out yeah. you will get it looks result. like carnage when you do it but it the does. next year it looks like heaven so that's what so you're thinking. always thinking ahead in the garden bearded iris do yeah. it now i mean talking about thinking i'll carry on my thinking ahead my propagation uh, happened just at the moment this time of the year if you've got some nice shrubs now if you've got evergreen shrubs it's the time to take mm. semi-ripe cuttings and you just if you haven't got a propagator you can just put them with uh, some plastic drape lightly over the pots 
Um, sometimes reduce the size of larger leaves, so things like um, laurels uh, or tubers and things like that. Down by a third. Just about a third off. To, to reduce the amount of transpiration so they don't dry out. Um, you can wound the cuttings, which involves taking a thin sliver off one side of them. I mean, if you're not sure what I mean by that, most textbooks will show you uh, this is taking place, and probably if you're internet-minded, YouTube and things like that will show you how to do this. It's very easy. And then you dip them. Now, I'm a, a fan of the rooting liquid rather than... I like than, the liquid uh, one. Rather than rooting powder. Rooting powder, people seem to think, oh, put loads and loads of this on pile on the... And you make this huge <laughs> callus at the end, which doesn't root. Um, and so um, what you need to just do is light dipping there, just shake off any excess, and into the compost. Nice, gritty compost, free draining, no nutrient in it. So you can even use leaf mould and sand, is the old one I was shown years ago to do with some of them. And um, they should root in about five to six weeks at most. Uh, it's also a great time if you've got some really lovely fuchsias, you've been down the garden centre and you bought two or three, and one of them really stands out, you know. Start to take some cuttings off them now. Try and get the, the newer shoots from a bit lower down on the plant with uh, with the fewest flowers on them. Pick, pinch off any flowers for now. Uh, you only need them to be around about three to four leaves long. Take a lower couple of leaves off. Cut them just below the um, the node. Put them into the compost. And they'll root even without a, a rooting uh, hormone. But, I mean, you can also uh, use that for them as well. But it's a great time of year to take cuttings of anything which is perennial uh, for next year's display. They are. Mick has come up with lots of ideas for you there and uh, it's all about next year and getting forward so there you are go forward enjoy your garden and then you can enjoy it even more next year indeed the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther every Saturday from 11 Let's have a look at some of the gardening events taking place across Essex over the next few weeks and we'll be starting in well, Colchester and District, because Colchester and District Fuchsia Society are holding their annual show. The show includes craft stalls, plant sales and refreshments. Most important thing, free parking as well. One fifty for adults and it takes place at Stanway Village Hall, Villa Road, Colchester. Haven't told you when. Saturday the 8th and Sunday the 9th of July. 1 till 5 on Saturday, 11 till 4 on the Sunday. And also <clears throat> on the 8th, the Margaretting Horticultural Show and Family Fun Day is at the Village Hall and Playing Fields in Wands Road, Margaretting. So go along there. And uh, that's just entry 50p for adults and children are free. Includes flying displays by the RAF Battle of Britain Memorial Flight Spitfire. So that's worth going to see just to see the Spitfire. Saturday the 15th of July, 10am till midday, the matching charity Farmers Market at the Village Hall. That's worth a, a look in. 17th of July, the South East Essex Organic Gardeners have a meeting on the future of organic seed. What does the future hold for the UK's organic produce and the ability to purchase seed at realistic prices? And that's by Colin Turner of CK Horticultural Supplies in Shubriness. Meeting takes place um, growing together in Westcliff, that's at, and that's the entry for non-members is just £2.00. Bit of forward planning as well. Dragons at Boyton Cross on Friday the 21st of July, 2 till 5. And that's in Chelmsford, is open to raise money for the National Garden Scheme. It's a three-quarter acre garden and it really is a delight to see. So if you have an Essex gardening event for me and the rest of the county, send it along to BBC Essex Gardening Hour. We can send the details to me three weeks, preferably in advance. Email ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk or write to me.
drop me a line. I love getting a, a bit of an envelope in my pigeonhole in the, in the front of the building. BBC Essex, P.O. Box 765, Chelmsford, CM2, 9XB. And yes, come on, get your event spread across the county and beyond. Coming up next, myself and Mick will be answering your gardening questions and we'll start with Malcolm from Malden and his poinsettias. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour, every Saturday from 11. BBC Essex. I've got a poinsettia which I had in November. I was going to say, it's not Christmas yet. We normally talk about those at Christmas, (laughs) but yes, carry on, sorry. Um, I had it in November for my birthday anyway. And um, I've kept it growing all this time. The leaves, are, red leaves are dropping off. Every mm. time a red leaf drops off, I have about three or two or three new green ones growing. Mm-hmm. Yes, you will. And it's really, really, it's about two-thirds the size as it was. Have How you do cut... I make the leaves go red again towards Christmas? Ah. Well, firstly, he mm. should have really, shouldn't he? He should have, earlier on, cut it down mm. uh, by about two-thirds and then, right. and then you should have repotted it to give it a bit more nutrient. Have you done anything like that? No, I shouldn't think so, I, have you? I, I just feed it with baby bio and give okay. it a cup of tea and mm. coffee now and again. <laughs> I, don't, I think we'll just leave it alone then. You wouldn't repot yeah. it now, would you? Now, now, the important thing is that this time of year you're not going to get red leaves on it. What you want to do is about September time, when the, the days really start to shorten, get it yep. into a room where the light isn't turned on during the, uh, the night time. So somewhere where you've got... Day- Spare room, something like yeah. that. So you've got daylight coming in there, so it's just away from a, a window, so it's not too cold. And don't go in and turn the light on at night to see how it's getting on, because even a few minutes, well, even no, it's not quite a few, but a minute or two of uh, daylight can interfere with its ability to produce the red bracts, and it will produce them. And it needs to be around about 18 to 20 degrees, so literally at room temperature, no more, not a hot room. Don't put it in right next to a radiator or anything like that, and you should get red, red bracts on it next year. Okay. Yeah, oh, red right, bracts. Okay. They're Lovely. not flowers, they're bracts. Right, well, what's so, your second um, question? Some runner beans that I've got in the garden. Yep. Not not many, only about a dozen that I put in a, in a small row. Okay. There's masses and masses of white flowers on. They're the, what they call the stringless ones. You just tail, yep. top and tail them like, you know, you don't have to take the edges yep. off. But uh, the masses and masses of flowers there, but there's no beans forming. Too hot. Mm. Too hot, is it? Oh, it's been too hot. No, it's a heat. You should be better off this week. This week will be a lot better. What one thing some people say to go over and lightly spray them in the mornings and the evenings as well, just to sometimes help. I I do that in the mornings, not so much in the evenings. Yeah, okay. But as long as, but I mean, as as Ken says, 30 degrees last week, it was too much for them. They can't cope. Okay, thank you, Malcolm, for that Uh, bean question. That's nice to hear how people's. I want to know whether people who planted their beans really early have got great crops already. Chris Mm. from Colchester. Black currants we're talking, is that right? That is right, yes. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Mick. Good morning. I've got an established sort of soft fruit bed. Uh, I have no problems whatsoever with red currants and gooseberries. They're coming out my ears, but the black currants I struggle with. The bushes go in, they do all right for first year, second year, and then they gr- gradually regress. The The... Shoots become sort of spindly, small leaf. I understand it's, it's something called black currant regression, but uh, I've started spraying earlier on in the season for just a, a sort of a, uh, a bug cure. But I cannot, gr- cannot grow black currants successfully. They, they just eventually end up dying. I lost four bushes. Mm. And I think with the eight bushes I had, I had more red currants off of two 
two bushes in the entire. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I give up. I, th- I think, in a sense, although although it sort of sounds, like we're not taking a big hit. No, in we're a not. Sense, in a sense, you've answered your own question that you you can't grow. You can't back. grow. The, 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 I mean, it's not not to do with fruit because a, a gardener many years ago, uh, in 1912, wrote a book called My Rock Garden. A guy called Reginald Farrow, and I often oh, yeah. quote him because he uh, says, "If a plant likes you, it will grow. And if it doesn't, yeah. even mm-hmm. if it likes your neighbour." Don't it, it won't grow. So you try it once. If it dies, it, it could be your own fault. I've always tried twice. I've always tried growing uh, sweet mm. peas. Never successfully. Yeah, Therefore, I do not grow sweet peas. They yeah. don't My like me. My father grew them there without any problem whatsoever. Uh, the only thing I might try is growing them in a very large pot. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Try a couple of plants yeah. next year in a very large pot. Use yeah. a good John yeah. in his number three and see how you get there on. There are some varieties as well which I are was suitable for pots. I in case yeah. I'd helped them on the way because I've got a no. wood burner which mostly logs, but I use also this e-coal. And I did put the ash quite extensively over the beds and mm. over me rhubarb, and they don't seem to like it. No, it? don't don't put it's coal ash onto uh, onto coal. a garden. No, w- Wood ash is OK, but don't put coal ash. It's really rich in sulphur. So they are. Um, but let's know how you get on, because we're always interested. Try, try them in pots next year, Chris, and let come back to us and see how successful they grow in there. That's what I would definitely do, and I think you... Or not grow them, as you said. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds like we're taking the mickey, but we're not. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne from West Clacton. Hello, Anne. Yes, hello. I've got three very, very quick questions. I've got a, um, a point... Um, oh, God. Pity sporum. Yep. Which is getting out of control. Yep, OK. Um... And a bay tree. What I'd like to do is I'd like to take the middle out to let it, you know, it's getting too tall. I like to be able to control my bushes. Very right, right mm. too. Mm. So could I do it now? Yeah, you can do it. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit on the late side. If I haven't done my bit of sporing yet, I've got to confess, you can still do it this time of the year. Um, what you don't want to do is wait until the autumn because it's not a hedge. If it was a hedge and you had a face on it, you could wait until September and do it then. But really, as long as you do it while the plant's growing actively, make sure you um, water it if it's dry and um, feed it afterwards just to encourage a, plenty of new growth onto it so you get a good-looking plant by the end of the year. Well, and the bay tree as well. Can both I do the same, that? yeah, because they're both evergreen, yeah. And very quick, when you put weeds in the compost, the chap next door said they encourage more weeds. Is this true or not? Well, it depends on your compost yeah, heap. If you've, got a, if you've got a hot pile compost heap, so if you assemble it all in one go, and it will heat up, and it heat up to about 60, 65 degrees, it'll kill off weeds and weed seeds. But if you've just got a normal cold pile compost like I have, weed seeds and weed roots will just come through at the other end, ready to grow again. But if you've got, if yeah. you've got them in one of those cylinders where it really heats up, it mm. will get rid of them. Yeah. I've got the green one, and I put loads of carpet Should on, do. but I do notice that I've got a lot of those little brown weeds coming up in the garden. I think that might be where I'll put the compost. Yeah, if it, if it isn't reaching a temperature, you literally put your, your, your finger into the compost. And if it's really warm. hot, yeah. you'll know. Yeah. Right, OK, thank you very okay. much for that. That's all right. That's Anne from Clacton. I thought she had three three questions. She didn't have three, did she? Oh. She had a bay and she had a... Oh, oh yes. Oh, the yeah, bay and the pity spore. We got there. <laughs> and we're talking blueberries and plums with Beryl from Leon C. It's all down the coast today, isn't it, but Beryl? Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Yes, it is, yes. It's a bit cloudy here, so it's not very beachy t- this morning. <laughs> Um, my blueberry bushes, I've had two, I've got two. Yeah. Uh, one I've had for approximately seven or eight years, and both in tops. Um, for most years, um, they've all been giving me lots of fruit, both of them, lots of fruit. But la- and last year, but this year, the oldest bush, uh, the fruit seemed to come up, come, come on the bush, but very small. Mm. And 
Uh, last year, it sort of did that, but they swelled out, the fruit swelled out, so I didn't take any notice. Um, last week, I decided I'd better put some uh, net curtaining over it because of the birds, and the tree was all right, but the fruit still hadn't swollen out. I went, uh, two days ago, I went into the garden to have a look to see, and half of that blueberry bush had died. The leaves had literally gone dry and brittle, um, and it's obviously dying, and mm. I just wonder why. Right, are they, are they these are in, in the ground, not in containers? They're in containers. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a root problem. If, if you've got sudden death on the thing, and the, um, the, the whole branches have died by the sounds of it, but the leaves still on there. It's not been shedding leaves or anything. Well, the leaves have gone really brittle. Hard yes, so they should. Yeah. yeah, but that means it's died suddenly because it, it, it's it's something uh, about the roots. It's, it's not happy. Is, now, it, is it? Hang on. Is it on one side of the of the plants or yes. not? Yes, just one side. You know, it's the, the sun and wind. Could be. Uh, it's either that's that, it, that's yeah. what I was thinking. It could be that, or it could, could be, be root. It could be that it's a root thing. Could be that uh, those roots on that side have become infected. Phytophthora and things like that. Yeah. Are, are, are mm. classic, You're watering you? regularly, I take it, because last week it was really hot. Yes, I watered um, either early morning or late in the evening with um, rainwater from. And it. you're keeping them yeah. nice and moist. Yeah. Yes, it, it was nice and moist. It sounds like yes. you're doing all the right things. Yeah. I think I think it's just something which is uh, it's occasionally unavoidable. You get um, fungal pathogens get into uh, compost as well as into the soil, and it can just cause um, oh. the, the death of one side. So there is, now, exactly what it is, I, I, I can't pretend to be an expert in blueberries, really. If anyone out there is, they can always uh, phone in and tell us. But it, 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 what I can say is it sounds very clear to me that it's something which is wrong with the roots. Oh, and right. uh, the fact that it's affected just one side would suggest that it's a disease rather than a pest. Right. What was, what's the best thing to do? Get well, cut that section out. You can cut it out and see if it'll come back, but yeah. it might be a case of actually ultimately taking the whole thing out. Having a look of, at the roots Getting as rid well. of the compost and uh, starting a new one, you know, disinfecting that um, container and starting again. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. The other one is lovely. There's a lovely mm. lot of fruit on that. Lovely Good. fat berries. You know, they're fine. Yeah. What was your other question then, Beryl? Oh, the other one was my plum tree. Now, uh -huh. last, um, it's only a little a miniature one, you know, grow very high and even the first year it had a few plums and last year quite quite a lot of plums not too many but it was getting very straggly so after the fruit i cut i cut off some of the leaf, some of the branches to t neaten it up well this year it has had no fruit it didn't have any any um flowers you know anything like that any blossom on it but it's grown it's gone all the branches have gone yep. mad they will. Yeah. It's, a bit, it's, it's a bit of reaction growth to the pruning, unfortunately. Uh, what the, the thing to do is to, to shorten some of those back this year. And remove uh, perhaps uh, a few. Uh, th thin it out a bit. You see, start, the, most things in Rosaceae, which are the, is the, the family of the plums in, they like to grow off side, uh, side growths, and wood which is uh, two or more years old. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so... Yeah. What's the best time to cut? Uh, well, you can thin those out now. You can thin them out to ones you want. You can shorten them back, probably really... A third? About a third, yeah. I must say yeah. probably... You do it during the dry months. You always say July, August. It's about right yeah. time, isn't but it? The, we, we are in... We've been in the dry right. months since February. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I, mean, yeah, but I, would, yeah. I would do it any time around about now or into the next month. And that should sort it out. And we go straight to, as promised, to Collins. Uh, you've got a conference pear tree, a little 25 years old, is it? It is indeed, yes. And what's happening to it? Well, uh, I've got a problem with the leaves. The, they start off with 
blisters, little green blisters in the in the leaves, and then they turn brown on the underside, and then it turns black on the underside, and they eventually fall off. I wonder what the problem was and how I could cure it. Because there is, isn't there a blister? I'm just trying. There's a blister mite. Blister mite. I'm wondering Mm. whether it's blister mite. Because there is a pair blister mite. Now, one of the problems is that we haven't got too many things to actually. Well, it'll be too late for this year, won't it? Anyway, because once the once the blister mite is in, it's done its damage. Does that make sense? Because once you see the blister, it Mm. has, um, it's it's done its done its thing so really it's, it's you're not going to do much else with it where what does it done to the fruit anything or nothing well uh, a lot of the fruit it's usually a very good fruiter but this year it's 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 um very sparse the, the fruit looks as though it's uh, a little bit mangled and, and there's mm. there's very little fruit on the tree that that may not be the mite itself doesn't have a, a major effect on the, the tree's health or its ability to produce fruit so it's it's it might not be that that's a real problem uh, but the, uh, the the real problem could be that the fact it's not been a great year for uh, with this. And his around. conference, which is inclined to be a bit of a biennial anyway, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So so it could just be that the the fact the blister mite's worse this year is simply because the tree is maybe not as healthy as it ought to be, given the the season we've had. It's been very dry and, and uh, very hot at some times. Maybe even think about uh, earlier in the year we had a hot spell and then, then a cold, cold spell and a hot spell again. Uh, even some of the rhododendrons at the college have actually come into. Uh, to flower, for, so so we've had we've had a bit the, of a difficult time for plants. The problem here is is don't worry about the pears. I think it's it's the it's the blister mite now. Yeah. The main thing I think you're going to have to do is actually is to see that you rake up all the leaves yeah. that you can, and then don't put them on the compost. Don't leave them anywhere in the garden. Get rid of them. Yeah. Because right, we yeah. have very little sprays that we can use on fruit trees today. Yeah. But what I would suggest is there's some contact sprays for yeah. next year. We're looking at, and as as the leaves start to emerge, look for a contact spray that you might be able to use. But, I mean, you're going to have to be... I don't know what's going to be available by next spring, but there might be some that um, mm. I think you can... Can you still use um, Bug Clear Ultra? Yeah, not, there's in, in, one of them that you yeah, can still use. In fairness, so, I'm not sure there's anything which yeah. is really uh, available to amateurs for no. this particular problem. What, one thing I would say is don't start taking leaves which are, have got the mites on off an, an otherwise healthy tree because sometimes you can do more harm than good by defoliating a tree because those leaves are still yeah. producing some food for the So uh, pick tree. up right. what's on the floor. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Andrea from Vange. Hello, Andrea. Oh, good morning. Aces, yes? Yes, I've got a, a green variegated acer. Um, I've had is this a tree? Of... Hang on, is this a yes, tree? Yes, it is. It's about four feet or so, but it's potted in a big um, pot. Um, but the under of the leaves, yep. are you still there? Yeah, yes, we're listening to you. Yeah, we've got a white gum with a black dot. I suppose it's an egg or something that's in the middle of it. Um, had it about three years ago, and I picked every one off, you know. Is it like scale? A, is it a white gum? Is it, is it sort of almost like a fluffy sort of thing with a black yes. dot? Yeah, it's, it's sticky. It's white muscle scale. 
White yeah. mussel scale. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem in warm years. Um, yeah. You can't spray anything contact onto them because if you try and spray yeah. them with a the contact, it'd be all that white. Um, well, actually, what you see on there, those scales with the, uh, the fluff underneath them, if you mm. like, they're the, the females which have died and the, the, the eggs develop underneath. So that's the developing eggs and um, larvae underneath there. Oh, I see. They yeah. then turn into this thing called a crawler, which is very difficult to spot. So it goes off and they actually do an awful lot of the feeding. They go through several molts until they turn into mostly females, which are mostly, uh, uh, they don't even have to mate to... To, to, to have and then they just go through the cycle again and you get them it just gets some years you'll see them even on the trunks of trees and things like that because they're not, not feeding anymore so you see them often on lime trees and things like that it, it won't cause a major problem for the tree uh, oh, in, in time you know but, you can, but if if you need to think you want something you need a systemic that the gentleman before but of yeah. course we can't recommend for fruit trees yeah. but there is a systemic insecticide that you could use ultimate bug killer i think is systemic mm. Mm -hmm. um but what you need to do is see that because it's green and white particularly if you mm. do it in any sunny weather you will burn the leaves mm. so you need okay. to do it morning or night but as no. as mick says it's really it's a devil this year isn't it yeah, you're going to get any hot year you get it. I mean, we, I've not seen it for about five or six years, but I think we'll probably see a lot more of it. See a lot summer. more this year. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Andrew? It's just, it's just too much for me this year to pick every single bit right, off. Right, okay. Know? Well, perhaps. And, uh, I've sprayed it actually with an ant spray because. No, 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 no. Work, get yeah. the right spray for the right job. You always have to, and that's so important. So. Um, there we go. Maureen it was I was going to talk to, wasn't I, Maureen, about yeah. your bottle brush? I'll tell you what, you've got a, ga a great um, summer for bottle brush because it's lovely and hot. They love it, mm. don't they? Well, mine's not flowered. It never flowered last year and it hasn't. Oh. It's going to flower this year. Now, I'm going to ask the most important question. Do you prune it? No. Because mm -hmm. normally that's the problem. People prune is, off all the growing yeah. stems, so is she's it, not pruning. Yeah. So is it, it in the sun? It's in the sun, yes. Yeah, okay. Is it growing healthily otherwise? Yes. How old is it? It's about seven years. Right, well, it's hard, should be hard to say why it isn't flowering then, really, yeah. Um, that's, but, that's goddess, isn't it, a bit? Yeah. Because it should be. Because you, you, <clears throat> you've got all the conditions you need to get to flower. I mean, cold winters don't help them, but we've not had that for a couple of years. No, I know. Yeah. It's like the neighbours. And you don't even need to feed yeah, it that much. Yeah, theirs is flowering, but mine didn't flower <laughs> last year. And it doesn't tell us where you've got it growing. To, you, it rather than us ask a, 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 a guess. Where's it growing? You tell us where, where it's growing. In right, the ground, us. it gets the sun most of the day. I water it well. I don't feed it. Mm -hmm. Where's um, it? What's round it? Prune it. Sorry. What's round it? Um, what have I got round it? No. What I mean is, is there a tree near it or anything yes, like that? Yes, yes, yes. A tree near it. Yeah. Conifers mm. behind no, no it. No conifers. It's not bad then, is it? It's in a fairly no, good position. No, there's, there's nothing which really springs to mind. There's always one of the difficulties when someone asks you what's wrong with a plant. Well, you, you can't, even when we see the plant sometimes, we, it's difficult for us to see if there's nothing apparently wrong. I mean, all we can suggest is um, if you uh, feed it, say, for instance, next year, but just feed it with a, uh, something like a tomato food early on in the year. So not, not something which will encourage loads of new growth, but something which will encourage flowers. You could still do that now, wouldn't yeah, hurt, you could, would it? You could do that now, but I mean, that's the sort of thing it wants. Start it, off yeah. early with that, in yeah. March. Yeah. Right. All right. That might encourage right, some okay. flowers. Then, Maureen, we don't want to hear from you until next... Well, no, you can ring us with anything, any yeah. time, but call <laughs> us next year and tell us it's successful. How about that? Yes, that'd be good, wouldn't it? And we now go to Diane in Did Hello, Diane. Hello, hello. Hello. Amalankia, is it? 
It is, it is. It was beautiful. Um, but just lately, I've noticed lots of the leaves are going yellow. Mm. I've got sort of mottles, mottly yeah. yellow. I can't see any insects or anything on it. It's a spot, isn't it? Mm. Mm. It's just a yeah. fungal spot, I, yeah, I would they, guess, they, wouldn't you? Amalankis aren't tremendously long-lived trees. And, uh, How old a bit is it vulnerable. actually, oh, I only planted it last year. Oh, oh it's right, a fun- so, right, so yeah. it should live a bit longer than that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fungal spot of some it sort, isn't like it? sounds like it, yeah. Um, but they also, they're not too keen on, they like to be in uh, moist, well-drained conditions. You know, So they don't, they don't want to be really waterlogged. Uh, equally, they don't right. want to dry out, you know. so I mean, um, Are you watering it, Diane? Yeah, well, I have done, yes. Yeah, I have done. I don't water it every day. But, mm. It yeah, likes I, a good. I, I mean, I personally, I mean, with weather like today, I'd give it a good half hour with an oscillator on it, and then forget it for another week. Mm. So it gets a good, really good soak where it gets down to the roots, rather than put a gallon on here and there. Mm. Right, right. I wondered if it was a um, something to do with the roots because when I planted it, the ground is not that good. But I, I dug a really big hole and used the proper compost that they told me to but I mm. did notice there was lots of like brick rubble and that in no, there that hurt it, it, it shouldn't be a major problem if you've got, as long as you've got some organic matter in there as well because yeah. that'll help to cycle nutrients but I mean it's it's most likely that you just need to give it a bit of TLC. Yeah look after it 0300 200 40 41 that's the number to call come on let's hear about I haven't heard anybody posting about their runner beans <laughs> I want somebody to tell me that I was wrong when I said <laughs> don't put them in yet we're talking tree ferns now that's up your line isn't mm-hmm. it that tree Ferns with Jackie from Brightlingsea. Hello there, Jackie. Good morning. Ronnie? Um, my tree ferns, I've got three. Um, mm-hmm. Two are really quite big ones. Yeah. Um, but one of them, the fronds at the end, seem to be wilting. I don't know if it's the intensity of the sun. Um, I that, hadn't given them that much water, but I have. Have you got them in the um, the shade? Yes, they are. They're they are in the shade, so that's it's not it's not been burnt by the sun. But even so, the um, the, the weather has been quite hot. We've just put um, three small ones out in a new uh, garden that the university have been developing, and um, it's some of them are looking a little bit brown around the edges because. Uh, the thing with ferns, the vast majority of them don't have something called a cuticle on the leaf, which is what stops excess evaporation. And if they're not getting enough um, water through to the tips of the leaves, which can happen because it gets hot, uh, yeah. they tend to crisp up a bit at the end. Is it producing new crosiers, like new growth from the middle? Yes, it has. You, you're all worry. right. Then. Don't you're, worry. You're okay. Don't uh, worry at all. It's just, okay. it's just a function. You might think, well, hold on, 30 degrees, it's hot in Australia, but they, they grow They're in the in... mountains and it's quite humid where they live, so they don't yeah. have that problem. No worry at all, Jackie. Yeah. Is it okay to give them like seaweed feed or? Get, no, do you know rather than giving them a feed, it's okay to feed them. Feed them into the um, the trunk rather than on okay. the leaves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But give them a good old spray. Uh, if it's in the shade, if you can, like, two or three times it. a day. And if you've got one of those hoses with the thing with the mist attached, spray them with a the mist over there and water them right into the trunk. Now, you just mentioned the border, because I've seen this border growing on the front of Rittle University oh, that's College. Oh, yes. Yeah, so tell us more about that. Isn't that is this the, which bit's having an opening? Because they've got the border on the front, but there's one, an opening this week, isn't there? Hey, now, that's the one on the front, the, the dry garden, the Mediterranean oh, garden the, at the front. Yeah, that's going to be opened uh, on Thursday, the 29th of, um, of uh, June. And can people go along and... They can, yeah. There's a lecture at 11 o'clock, where my wife will be going through all the history of the sort of development and what's going on with the grounds and the RHS students. And that's free for entry 
So anyone, especially ex-students, but anyone who wants to come along can come along to it. It's the Northumberland Lecture Theatre at 11 o'clock. And that's going to be followed by an opening of the gardens where uh, Julia, I think it's Julia Bolton's called, but Beth Chateau's granddaughter oh, oh, yes, is coming is, along yeah. to, uh, oh, to, to nice. the cutting of a ribbon or whatever it is that they're going to do on the day. But that, that'll be at 12.30 if people want to come along for that. But and it's worth having is, a look at yeah. all your gardens because they're looking really good and more interesting than they have been for we, some time. We are time. doing a lot of development there at the moment, so we're quite pleased with the way it's going So that's now. this... This Thursday, Thursday yeah. at at uh, eleven o'clock at the Northumberland Lecture Theatre for the um, uh, for, for the, uh, the the talk itself, and that's actually uh, there's plenty of parking there, and there's the tip tree tea rooms if you need a, a little wet while you're there as well. Well, we go now to Alan in Hoddesdon. Hello, Alan. Talking uh, apple trees. Uh, apple. I've got a few quick questions. Apple tree. Answers. Mm. Uh, I've got some runner beans. Yes. Uh, Tell me about your runner beans. A lot about an inch long. A couple about two inches long, and I've got yeah. one about six inches long. Brilliant. Did mm. you put them in? When did you put them in? I uh, can't remember, but it was well before you said don't put them in. <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> man, good man. That's what I like to hear. What's next? Right, um, uh, Swede. I've got some Swedes growing. I've started picking, but some are coming up nicely. Some are not even uh, swelling up at all. Should I pull those out and let the others swell up more or leave them in? Uh, only if they're a bit crowded. I mean, um, mm. the, the thing with uh, Swedes... They're it's, struggling it's, this year with the heat, aren't they? Yeah, but they, they, it's a swollen stem. They like it nice and cool. So that's why a lot of Swede growing is... is well, hence the name Swede, you know, Sweden. They, they, they tend to be grown in the north of Britain because of the cool conditions in the summer where they like to grow. Um, but if, if they are a bit close to each other, you can thin them out. Um, but, I mean, you, if they're the right spacings, just you just got to try and water them, try and look after them, hope that they, uh, they like it better this week with the cooler conditions. Okay, um, Rhubarb, when do I stop pulling? I pulled up a, a lot yesterday. When should I stop pulling? You really oughtn't to take more than about a third of the total leaves it's, off in a season. It's not the time, is it? Yeah. It's yeah. what you take. Yeah. Because of the nutrients that, as the, as the stems and the leaves die, the nutrient mm. goes back into the crown. And you can't put a I mean, people say July, yeah. don't they? No. But it's I, I not would, Do you know what I would say? I would say if you've got a rhubarb bed, you divide it up into um, three parts of the bed where you say spring... Uh, early summer, late. midsummer to late summer, so, and you only prick from those areas. And once you've taken about a third of the growth out, you stop. And if you've forced any rhubarb, of course, that's it for it. So I think it's more or less spent for the year if it even comes back again. So you just got to be remember it's a plant, and you're actually um, you're, you're basically amputating parts of it, which it needs in order to keep on growing. So you've got to be a bit careful how much you take off. Yeah, I usually only take one uh, leaf off of each plant. Oh, yeah, well, you're doing be, the right that'd thing. That'll be fine then, yeah. yeah. Take a bit yeah. more and enjoy it. Yeah. A quick one on apples. I lost all the apples through the frost last uh, last month. Um, I've got a lot of uh, new growth growing. Some of it's about a foot long. Should I chop that off or should I just leave that as well? Did, did you heavy prune in the autumn then? Uh, no, I don't. I usually take the tops off when I see them growing. Just nip them off. But you haven't done that lately? No. Uh, no, yeah. they're growing now. I would just... What, third? Third and thin. Yeah, I mean, really thin them out and then shorten these new growths back to to, to, to about two or three leaves that might might be ideal. But, I mean, don't... you don't, you don't want to sort of leave it too late. You don't want to do it too early. If it's dry now, you should be fine to do it to prevent any disease spread. All right. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. That's Alan from Hoddesdon. And we go now over to Braintree. Hello, Maureen. Hello to you both. Hello. Um, I... I w- I've heard you mention a cat deterrent. Yep. I've got a over-friendly cat. 
right. in a few months ago okay. nearby. Okay, I'll mention it very quickly. It's called Cat Watch. You will find it either on the web or in the back of gardening magazines. It is specific for cats, no other animals, and that's why I know Jeff Hodge was talking about it and said that it's, in his opinion, it is the best. Okay? It's called Cat Watch. Watch. That's it. Is it, is, is it a powder? Uh, no, 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 no. It's electronic. It's electronic. It's, uh, it runs on batteries and it's very good. Another quick one on orchid. Um, how long, how often should you water them in the summer? <laughs> when they need it. Yeah, <laughs> just regularly. Just regularly. I mean, the thing with orchids. No, I joke, is it, but they, they, this time of year, with the amount of heat, yeah. they really want miss, 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 don't yeah. they? Yeah, I would say it's not so much how much because you should be growing bark. So when you water them, most of the water runs out. And, and as Ken says, you need to make sure they're humid around them. I had one with um, got this white substance on it earlier this year. On the flower, on the stem and flat, on the stem and leaf, do you mean? Yes. Okay. And yep. I looked it up and it was a, a bug. I can't remember. Scale what it... insect? Or mealybug? Or mealybug. Mealybug or scale uh, insect? Mealybug, a white yeah. one with a lot of little. Yeah. Um, yep. Anyway, I managed to get rid of it. Good. And sprayed it with the bug clear, etc. And. When I had my glasses on yesterday, I'd been bragging about that it's grown a, a new stem, and on the stem, I see it come back again. It mm. doesn't. It is is quite. Per, it, it'd be important to get rid of that straight away because they breed fairly swiftly. And going back to the watering, one of the best ways is to take the inside pot, if it's a perforated pot, soak it thoroughly in tepid water, not mm. ice-cold water, let it drain and do that on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And as Mick says, it's worth having a mister, isn't it? Yes, just indeed, miss the yeah, whole plant. Yeah. And that will sort it out. Is that OK for you, Maureen? That's lovely. Um, will the buds that are formed, but I think this is a $50 question, the buds that are formed on this orchid, do you think they'll open or not? Yes, it, it should do. Form, if, they if, should open. If the plant remains healthy, it should flower. If it stands up a flower spike, it's telling you that it's uh, it's ready to flower. And off it goes. It's as simple as that. Let's go to Barbara in Morden now. We're talking cucumbers. Hello. Hi. Hello. Cucumbers we're talking. Is that right, Barbara? Yes, I'm desperate. Are you? six plants, five died. I have one, and every flower, apart from two, have been males. What you do did. I do? Well, you didn't buy an all-female. I'm, I'm not jesting, but you didn't buy an all-female. You just bought a cucumber plant, yes? Yes. Right. Um, I thought you were going to say you were failing to get to them to actually work, you know, to produce mm. cucumbers, because with very hot conditions, they don't, do they? No, no. Oh, right. Um, not a lot you can do, is it? No. I mean... Uh, Nothing. See, <laughs> I do the flowers off. Is that right? Uh, well, I mean, if it's a male flower, it makes no difference because it'll just drop off once the uh, the pollen's been formed. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just if this is one which you've got male and female on there, you know, it's, um, it's yeah, just something you've got to wait. You've got to wait for the female flowers to uh, to appear. There's, That's it. There isn't much else you can uh, say about it. There's no, there's no product you can put on it to make it more female, if you like. <laughs> no, so they they do just female plants, do they as well? Yes, but there are yes. some. Yes, some just female ones. Mm. You can right. buy as well. 
lovely. Would Thank it be too so late much. to plant one? Uh, not really. You not can really, still no, get away no, with you it, couldn't you? Could, you? If, as long as you keep the male plant there happy, healthy and growing, you know, pinch out the tips and get some side shoots on it so you get the male flowers, you could go and buy an all-female plant. It, it shouldn't be too late to get them. I'll quickly go to a text on 81333, started with Essex. Annette has asked me ages ago, how does she get her jasmine to flower? Now, what we don't know is whether it's an indoor or an outdoor. Indeed. Uh, if it was an outdoor... All you can do is water, yeah. perhaps give it a mist over the front of it, would help it a little bit, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the fish and all of it, they, 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 uh, they just jet, flower, they, don't they? They should just flower. So it's a day-length thing, so it's, it's on a cycle. As yeah, long as it's getting should. plenty of um, light onto it, so it's not completely going yeah. in shade or anything like that, there shouldn't be a major problem with it. In fact, if anything, the major problems are usually stopping it from climbing all yeah. over everything else. So. Give it a bit of tomato food, and that will help it, yeah. definitely. Let's talk hydrangeas with Alan from Harlow. Hello, Alan. Hello. Yes. Hopefully this won't take too long. Just a quick yes or no answer. No, my we can wife, do that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my wife is a hydrangea fan. Good for her. Unfortunately, I lost her a year ago. Oh. And her favourite hydrangea bloomed beautifully last year. It's in a pot on the patio, by the way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, it looks very sad. I, I looked after it as one should. I left the dead flowers on until mm. the new, new shoots and the new flowers are forming. Um, now, a pot next to it, yesterday, I emptied, and I found that was full of wood lice. And I, mm. said, I suspect that the one that with the hydrangea in is also full of wood lice. And my question is, will it hurt the hydrangea now to take it out and repot it and clean all the roots off in case there's wood lice there? Right. No, wood lice first. No, the, the wood lice aren't causing any problem. Wood lice just feed on rotting material. Okay, they're uh-huh. not plant pests at all. We, we, we often find them where plants have been damaged, but simply because they're eating the decaying material. So they're not the problem. If you want to repot it, it's it's fine to repot it at the moment. Don't start removing all the compost off the roots because that will hurt the plant. So if uh-huh. you want to put it into a larger pot, say for instance, it's not a bad idea with hydrangeas because the old adage, uh, American gardeners always say like you know mm. that hydrangeas are great, but they'll use all your water because they're much more uh, sort of you know, greater water shortages of than we experience here. And they do like a lot of water, and they Huge don't amount. like hot weather like this. You have to really water them well and regularly this time of the year if we've got hot weather. The ones we've got growing outside at the, uh, the college are flagging every day at the moment simply because it's just too hot for them. They're a West Coast plant, you know, they like the sort and of that, the humid environment. And we had hot weather early on, so Indeed, summer, yeah, they're yeah. not quite as good this year possibly as no, they should No, we've be. got them flowering, but they are, the leaves are smaller, the flower heads are smaller. And it's just one of those years. It's not a hydrangea year. It doesn't mean your hydrangea is doomed or anything like that. They are tough as old boots, really. Mm. But if you wanted to, to give it a, a better sort of situation, put it into a larger pot, well, I would say wider rather than deeper. So it just keeps plenty of uh, moisture. And do that when autumn? Yeah, uh, probably, yeah, probably a good idea to just keep it well watered now and do it into the autumn when it'll be less stressful. You could do it now if you've got the pot and you've got the compost. So it's, it's, it's not, but don't start taking compost off the roots because you'll really affect the roots. Does that help you? Thank you, yes, very much. The, your, your answer is confirmed by the fact that another hydrangea that I've got that's in the ground and more, much more in the shade mm. is doing very well. There you are. There you go. There, there you go. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. Uh, let's now go to Div- Divina. Hello, Divina in sunny Clacton. Well, it's maybe not sunny, but... <laughs> Davina, hello. Good morning, Ken. It's very pleasant. The Good. sun's not too hot, the wind's dropped, and I've just been doing a load of deadheading. It was Good for you. Oh. 
Um, I was going to report back to you, but can I ask a quick question for my husband? We've got about a yew tree, which is about 22 foot high, and it's about five to six foot round. Would it be all right to cut it down about halfway and then give yeah. the edge a good clipping? We're both nodding. Yeah, you can do. Um, yew trees, even if you take them down to a pole, will come back, but they don't look very good for it for a couple of years. Um, but they are quite resistant. And the thing is, with anything like that where you're cutting it back, it's best not to do it in the very hottest weather. Um, but again, it's best not to do it when it's dormant either. So I would recommend maybe holding off until September, about very mm. late August, early yeah, September. About then. And um, cutting it back and not taking it back so hard that you're taking it all into brown. But if you're only reducing yeah. the height, you could get away with it. Yeah. Right, yeah. that's lovely. Thanks. <clears throat> now, last week, a lady phoned you up and she said that she was using a garlic spray to control her black fly. Yes. And you said, I couldn't recommend that. No, well, no. What what Jeff said, I think it was Jeff, what Jeff yes. said was that uh, she was making her own garlic spray and that the reason he couldn't recommend it was because it hadn't had um, it hadn't had ministry uh, approval of a method. That's what he actually said. There is yeah. one available on the market that has had mm. uh, approval. But anyway, my runner beans were covered in black fly. Yep. They're squashing them and doing everything. And I usually use a bit of fairy liquid spray. So I crushed a clove of garlic up, put it in with this um, fairy liquid spray. Next morning, all the black fly had gone. Do you know what my old friend Peter Seabrook would say? I'll tell you what he said, because I've, I've sat in the studio with Peter here at BBC Essex, and he said, what you really gave him is a blooming good wash. <laughs> and you washed them off. <laughs> but, but, you know, you will find that there's certain things that you do that yeah. might work. But the yeah. reason is it's very difficult, because we're sitting here broadcasting. Yeah. We cannot give information. It's like fairy liquid. You look on the back of a fairy liquid packet, there's nowhere in there does it say that you can yeah. put it on your, on, your, on your beans. So as a professional horticulturist, I have to say to anyone out there, if you're using insecticidal soap, which is actually approved for the purpose, That's so right. things like That's not soap a detergent. and savona, It's not a detergent, yeah, it's is fatty it? fatty acids, you can use that. And if you buy a proprietary garlic spray, which is a proof of a purpose exactly you can use that so does that make sense to you but yes it's a <laughs> lovely story Davina and um, I'll expect a, a, a lovely pile of beans on the doorstep here for me one Saturday how about that Davina well they've doubled their height since I sprayed them at the beginning of the week and the black fly haven't managed to sort of be chewing into them Okay, that's lovely. <laughs> Thanks very much. That's a lovely story. Thank you very much indeed. And we're going now to Cedric of Chadwell St Mary. Hello, Cedric. What you got? Hello. I, I, we, I think we're all hydrangeas today, sir. We um, are indeed. Yes, yes. Yes. I've got four hydrangeas in my front garden. Yep. And they are covered with this white bug. Never seen it before. Hasn't been in our garden before. But at the moment, it just looks like snowflakes all over the hydrangeas. Mm. A scale, isn't it? Could be a scale. Sco yeah. Sounds like scale yeah. to us. Hydrangea scale. The thing could be is a whale, uh, woolly aphid. Is the yes, woolly aphid or scale. Mm. Um, I'll tell you, shall I tell you what I do? If you've got oldish growth that hasn't got any flower bud on it, I cut the worst stems out. Don't leave them in the garden. Give them to those friendly council people. And then I would spray with a systemic insecticide hmm. because uh -huh. you will not get rid of it otherwise. It is very difficult to get rid of and you don't want it reoccurring next year. Hmm. It, but it only grows on the hydrangeas, doesn't it? It's a, yeah, that so one the, is a hydrangea yeah. scale. Some of them are very specific to particular plants. Yeah, because so, I said I've got pensioners around no, it. I've got no, it won't go shoes. anywhere else. So 
look out for a systemic insectivide. Ultimate bug killer, I think, will do the job. Okay? Hi, sir. Sorry to have kept you waiting, Cedric. And we move now to... Where are we going? Eastward. Hello, Jenny. Morning, gentlemen. Morning. And uh, what, how can we help you with your well, olive tree? I've recently bought two small ornamental olive trees with the twisted stems. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, they're about three foot tall. At the moment, they're just in the small sort of pots I bought them, which are about eight, nine inches across. Oh, too small, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, didn't, I wanted to ask whether they have to go into a really large pot or just a bit small. Do they have to be pot-bound? or? Um, it's not so much going to have to be pot-bound. It's not a good idea to pot something up into um, a very big pot so it gets swamped. Not not mm -hmm. not uh, things like shrubs, etc. So you need to just put it into something which is going to give about uh, a, a few centimetres either side. So, right, um, okay, so, then. so just... So, just... The, the, the real trick is to sort of think what will balance it because the pot's there for two reasons obviously it's there for the roots to uh, to grow into and give the plants nutrient and anchorage but when you think about this anchorage there's no it would grow outwards in the ground so it needs to be heavy enough to stop it from falling or blowing over and um, would you use johnny in his compost yes certainly because of course that's well, johnny, johnny number three number three and a pot mm. not too big but enough for a little bit of growth and, yeah. and yeah, leave about uh, an inch or so then, inside maybe then two two or three years on move it on again mm. Okay, okay, then, thank you for your help. Thank Jenny, you. enjoy your olives. I look forward to olives and then I can have them with my, my martinis. Is that right? Indeed. You have with martinis? <laughs> uh, Linda in Billericay. Hello, um, hello, Linda. <laughs> hello there. Um, I've got a question about um, a camellia. Yes. Um, I've had a, a, pot, uh, a camellia in a pot now for, well, six or seven years. It's, it's quite a large camellia. And in March this year, I decided that I wanted to plant it in the garden so that it could spread further. Mm -hmm. Um I did that in March. I've kept it watered, um, but suddenly, over the last week, all, nearly all of the leaves have dropped off. The green leaves, they've not gone yellow, um, Just they've just dropped. And I've just wondered if I've stressed it out or what I've done to it. If leaves drop suddenly off a plant, it's a sign of stress. There's something wrong, no, isn't Exactly it? what the nature of that stress is. is and uh, it could be that it's been moved. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes, even if you've been watering, if it's in a fairly large pot and you put it into the ground, camellias tend to root very shallowly. Right. And so they form a big fibrous root mass in a pot, which is fine when they're in a pot. What they, you should normally do with a camellia is avoid gardening around the bottom of it, apart from to put plenty of mulch down so this shallow root system you know, get, gets the best it can. So you leave literally a layer of leaf mould over it. Right. It could just be that the, uh, the root ball is, start, is maybe dried out a little bit or something like that. But because it hasn't gone yellow, if the leaves have just dropped off, there's something which is stressed and it, it's... Because Chances it's been are it will come back. Yeah, it's been healthy in the pot, so I mean, it's obviously something. It's very difficult for us to put our finger on it exactly, but it, you're right in the fact it is related to this move, I think, because it, mm. if it didn't happen previously. All I can say is we've had some very hot weather. Has it got new growth, new buds coming at all? Um, I think there's some at the top, yeah. That's all right, then. That's them, fine. Yeah. Really important. If they're at the top as well, it means that the, 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 the sap's still moving through mm -hmm. the plant, and I wouldn't panic, all right? Right. So I don't do anything. I don't sort of keep it, it keep it keep it well watered. It. Mulch across the top with a, a decent um, leaf mould, or you could even get in a bag of ericaceous compost and put that over the top. Put it over the top right. just to make sure the roots stay nice and cool and moist. But when you water, when you're watering, put put a sprayer onto it, and I mean yeah. soak it half an hour, an hour, then right. remove. Don't okay. keep giving it a bit. All right. Right. Okay. It's actually um, in 
gravel. It's in, um, it's on the earth, obviously, and then we've got a membrane and then gravel. There's nothing else around it. Oh, that'll keep it. That should keep it moist. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the thing is, ah, we like to root up near the surface. Like that's the membrane the, and the gravel actually is. Um, so the roots the could best. be under the membrane, couldn't yeah, they? Yeah, it's not the best thing for things like uh, rhododendrons, magnolias, camellias, which are all uh, shallow rooting woodland plants. Right, shall I remove the membrane right round it then? I would. It'd be an idea, yeah, and give it a good mulch with some organic compost. That will, will help, if nothing else. And we're going to move on to Mary in Horn on the Hill. Kiwi fruits. Yes, good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Um, I've got a kiwi fruit I put in an, oh, a few years ago now. Um, it's crept along, but it's got no fruit on it. Should yeah. I have two or why is, not? Is it a grafted male and female plant on the same plant? I don't know. Because if so you, you do want, need you, a male and female. You need female. a male and female. Now, you can get them grafted. They've got uh, separate male and female yep. parts onto the rootstock, and oh. they'll fruit. Otherwise, well, you need to... I know? <laughs> well, you I need to look at the, uh, the flowers, and um, you can look up what they look like online, but they either staminate, which means they've only got the, uh, the stamens and the pollen, or the pistillate, which have only got the female parts. And if you look up online or in the book, you'll, you'll see what they look like. You'll need yeah. a bit of a magnifying glass to have a look in your eyes like mine. And uh, you better work out what it is, and then you can go and buy a named cultivar of the other sex in order to... Uh, it's not a great fruit to grow in Britain. It's not quite no. warm enough for them, really, but no, you can went, always try it. I went to a kiwi farm once in Kent where mm. they were trying to grow it. I haven't heard any more from them. No, I don't no. think it is that successful no, Indeed. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Mike from Leon C. Hello, Mike. Morning. Yes, uh, I was listening to this business about runner beans and uh, problems with black fly. Yep. Uh, I've been growing not, not a lot, about a dozen or uh, more plants in the garden for a few years now. Um, and uh, what I've found the best sort uh, is the good old hose on a jet. That's a good mm. way of doing it. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you if you hit black fly with a jet from a hose, um, it's like uh, you know you being hit with a boulder, and uh, it just knocks them out. And you, I usually find that I I, I just watch things because they would do build up, and uh, perhaps once or uh, twice a week at the worst of times, and maybe longer, and uh, they don't come back. Make certain also to go down the stems where the ants are climbing up as well, and you hit them into the bargain. Sounds like a good mm. plan. Mm. <laughs> yep. and, I, and as I say, it's been re- reason. And I used uh, and I got someone with dahlias the uh, other day, and they didn't like that either. <laughs> Mike, that's a great <laughs> trick. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Okay, okay that's Mike. Um, I've got a few questions now. I just want, like to uh, get through as well. I have a wigelia or wigelia that's too big for its position. Can I prune it now? Well, it will have just finished flowering, so in yeah. fact, it's when you should prune. Yeah, it should have straight after flowering. As straight soon as after the, flowering. As soon as the Flowers start to shrivel. That's the time to do that's the new That's the time pruning. to do that. Um, and also, um, well, that's one that we've got that. So, and be quite ruthless. You can be quite mm. ruthless with that, can't you? Yeah, take Don't... about a third of the oldest growth right Off. out. Yeah. Um, love your show. Growing Campanula, lovely blue flowers. Um, taking it's taken them two years to grow them. Campanula, mm. would it? Take? Yeah, it could eighteen months, wouldn't it, yeah. to get a good I mean, plant? Normally, this is the second year of flowering. Yeah, yeah, they are spectacular. Now, what do I do? And that's Zena and Whitam. Well, just cut the um, the flowering stems down once they finish flowering. And uh, allow some new growth to come back. You might get a, a smaller second flush of flowers, but if we're talking about one of the perennial campanulas, it just wait till next year and uh, enjoy the show again. Because they are good, aren't they? Mm, I yes. mean, really good. Um, and another question here that's come in on text. Yes, we do answer your text questions as best we can. Is, where's the best time to repot an Acer? 
and this is an interesting one because it's saying also some leaves are green when the rest are red. So that's actually uh, that's from the stock, isn't either it? from the stock or its reversion, which is rarer. But I mean, um, so yeah. really, you've got to go down the down to the bottom of the stem. Yeah. And if it's lower than where the red is, mm. you just got to cut it tight in, haven't you? Yeah, very tight, almost right to the stem itself. And don't don't put any treatments or anything on there. Just let it dry out. Um, but you need to do that as soon as you notice them, because the bigger and bigger that stem gets, the more chance there is that you get further regrowth That's from right. it. It'll be problematic. Uh, and as for the repotting question, uh, you can do it now, but it's better it's off in the I'm spring or the autumn. It's, I was going to say, do, yeah. Mick, I would yeah. not choose yeah. now to do it. No, I mean, but the thing is, if people say, "Can I do it now?" I say, "Yes," but it's not the ideal time. It's like it's more like emergency surgery rather than uh, getting it at the right time. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the gardening advice, tips and events, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go. Just visit the BBC Essex website, bbc.co.uk slash BBC Essex. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour, every Saturday from 11. BBC Essex.